Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Hey, so it's Palm Sunday. And in the Christian tradition, if you're unfamiliar with what Palm Sunday is, it's the beginning of what's called Holy Week. It's not Palm Sunday because in the Middle East they grow palm trees like in Florida. Holy Week marks the time from the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. It's his trial, his crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection. Uh, of course, that's what we're going to celebrate next weekend, that Jesus is alive, that he rose from the dead, conquering sin and death once and for all. But it starts with the time where Jesus entered into Jerusalem. Now, Jesus didn't live in Jerusalem. He lived in a place called Capernaum around the Sea of Galilee, which was about a week's walk, by the way, from Capernaum to Jerusalem. But Jerusalem is where he's entering into. And all kinds of prophecies about him being the Messiah were about to be fulfilled and how he would give his life for you and for me. And in Matthew chapter 21, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up, flip there, turn on your device. There's also one available there on the church online platform that you can use. But Matthew 21 gives us this account of Jesus coming into Jerusalem and he comes in on a donkey. Now that might not seem like a big deal, but it is very significant. A political figure or a soldier would have come in riding on a horse. When a king rode in on a horse, by the way, it was a sign of war, but on a donkey, it's a sign of peace. And Jesus rode in on something very humble, a donkey, because he came to bring peace. It speaks to his leadership. It speaks to the kind of person that he was, a person of, of great humility. And we find that in chapter 21, that he told his disciples, go into the town. You're going to find this donkey there. Tell the owner of the donkey that the Lord needs it, and he's going to give it to you. And that's exactly what happened. They found the owner of the donkey, just like Jesus said. He gave them the donkey, and the disciples bring it back to Jesus. And here's what the Bible says in verse 8. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from trees and spread those on the road as well. So Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, and people start throwing down their coats, and they start throwing out some branches so that he can ride across them. And if you had to guess, those branches would be from what kind of tree? A palm tree, right? And now you know why it's called Palm Sunday. And in verse 9, it says this, that the crowds went ahead of him. And those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. I want to bring a message to you today around this idea. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Now, if you don't have any kind of church background, Perhaps this is your first experience at church. Can I tell you something? This church was started with people like you in mind. For people who aren't sure about God or Christianity and wanted a safe place to explore faith. And I don't think it gets much safer than being at your home right now. On your couch with your coffee or eating your favorite cereal, cinnamon life with ice cold vitamin D milk. Come on, that's my favorite. And more than anything, I hope, though, that you feel loved and that you feel welcomed. And we really believe that Jesus changes lives. And while he may not change our current situation and what's going on in the world around us, I believe he can change you in the situation. But if you've grown up around church at all, 
you've heard this story, especially around the Easter season, or, or maybe you went through confirmation class or whatever it might be, and you heard the whole Hosanna in the highest, the whole donkey scene, or, or you've seen the pictures perhaps of Jesus riding into Jerusalem, side mount on a donkey. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Which by the way, I don't know why he's always side mount on a donkey. Like dudes don't ride donkeys that way. A side mount is how a lady rides in on a horse. Jesus wasn't side mounted on a donkey. Anyway, I'm sorry, that just bothers me. He's riding in though, and then all these people are throwing down palm branches and they're waving them, saying a real nice and sweet, Hosanna, Hosanna. And maybe you've been to a church where they had a program with live animals and Jesus actually came down in the middle aisle and, and people were like, Hosanna, and the choir breaks out singing and everyone has a palm frond. Can I tell you something? It didn't go down like that. Like what was happening that day is found in the word Hosanna, which literally means save us or save now. So literally these people were yelling because if you read the text and the punctuation of the text, it says, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna to the son of David, which was a prophecy about the Messiah who was to come. And it ends it with an exclamation point. And if you've ever read to a child, like I read with my kids at night and when we get to a punctuation, it's like, okay, it's an exclamation point. What do you do? Your voice gets louder right? You exclaim it. Exclaim means to cry out, to yell, to shout. And so that's what these people were saying. They were shouting, save us, son of David, save now. Like it wasn't a pretty choir singing. It was a cry of desperation from their soul because they were so oppressed. And they really had two different political structures above them that were oppressing them. And they believed that Jesus, this Messiah, the Savior, was coming to set them free from political oppression. They were expecting Messiah to come and, and set up power and to rule and to sit on the throne. And so what they were expecting was Jesus to come save them. But how many of you know, he does come and save us. It just wasn't to save us from what we thought we needed to be saved from. Jesus came to give them something much greater than political salvation. He came to offer us spiritual salvation. And so this, this is the scene. It wasn't all that pretty. It was a mob of people who were desperate to be saved, desperate for their situation to change. And I would propose to you today that a little over 2,000 years later, here we are. A bunch of people desperate for our situation to change. And we're still crying out, Hosanna. Now, we're not using that word. Like nobody on the internet is posting about Hosanna, Hosanna. But we're still saying, save us. We're still saying, save me, save now. And we look to salvation and find salvation in so many different places, do we not? Like we're the wealthiest country in the world. Yet we spend more money on antidepressants than any other country. You know what that is? That's people crying Hosanna. That's people saying, save us, save now. Like something's missing. And a lot of times we go looking for salvation in, in places or pills or position or prestige, things that, that can't give it to us. And Jesus came to save them. And he came to, to save them from more than what they thought they needed saved from. Some people believe that perhaps success, like that's the answer. So whatever's missing in the inside of us, we run after success. And I'm not saying that's bad, but it's not the thing that will save you. 
or we run after pleasure. And, and again, pleasure isn't bad. God created us in his image. He created us with desires. But when we pursue pleasure, thinking that's the thing that will save us, we end up empty. We run after all these ancillary things in life. Why? Because we're still crying Hosanna. We're still looking for salvation. And they were waiting for a political savior, but Jesus came as a perfect sacrifice to be crucified and to be dead, buried to be the risen Lord. And here's the reality, he's still saving today. You should know that. He's still changing lives today. And many of you watching today, like, like give me a shout online, raise a hand, do something. If your life is a testimony to the power of Jesus to save and to change and to restore and to redeem all the things in your life, amen. But the world is still crying for salvation all around us. You have family members, you have friends, coworkers, and neighbors that are crying, Hosanna. And everything might look good on the outside, by the way, but on the inside, they're saying, save me. They're saying, save now. In fact, some of the things they do drive you crazy. And you think, why do you do that? Why do you make those decisions? It's because they're crying, Hosanna. And some of the choices they make, you think, like, why are you making that choice? It's because they're crying out, Hosanna. You know why? Ultimately, they don't yet know that 2,000 years ago, a man entered into Jerusalem on what we celebrate today, and his destination was the cross, because he alone has the power to save and to change and to heal. But can I tell you something? They don't get that message if someone doesn't carry it to them. So how do you and I fit into this Palm Sunday weekend? Like we fit into it because now you and I as followers of Jesus get to be the carrier of that message. Wait, 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 Colby, you mean it's, it's not for some religious elite to carry the message to the world? No, it's not. Wait, 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 you, you mean I don't have to go to school? I don't have to have some religious training? I thought it was the preacher's job to carry the message. Well, not according to the Bible, it isn't. Like my job is to equip you to carry the message. Ephesians 4 tells us that. You can go look it up. And so I want to show you today one account from Scripture of what happens when you simply carry the message to the, the answers, the, the question of Hosanna. Like who's going to save us because the answer is found in one man alone. His name is Jesus. So if you have your Bible, Mark chapter 2. I want to read to you one of my favorite stories in the New Testament. It's about a time that Jesus was at home in Capernaum. Now you've heard that Jesus is a Nazarene. Jesus is from Nazareth, that he was born in Bethlehem. Capernaum is where he actually did most of his ministry and where he lived during his ministry. And this fascinates me because I don't think we often put Jesus in this kind of context. Like we think of Jesus as being otherworldly and, and of course he was, he was fully God, but he was also fully man which means he lived somewhere, he slept somewhere, he ate somewhere, he bathed somewhere, he did the things that you and I do. And so he comes home uh, to Capernaum. And in Mark chapter two, verse one, this is what we learn. The Bible says a few days later, when Jesus again entered into Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So they'd heard that Jesus was coming home and they gathered in such a large number that there was no room left not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Don't miss that. We're going to talk about that. He was preaching God's word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. 
Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. So Jesus is in his hometown of Capernaum. And if you ever go to Israel with us, I'll take you right to his house. Uh, He's in his hometown. He's returned and word has gotten out. But Jesus is now back. And again, I think this is important for us to understand because if not, we will place a division between the reality that Jesus walked this earth as God, but he also can relate to us because he lived as a man. Like Jesus lived. He had a house. He ate like we eat. He didn't have Chick-fil-A yet, but that was in his mind because it's here today. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But I'm simply saying that we don't tend to think about Jesus in this way. Like we think maybe he never had to eat or he never had to drink. Like he was the the son of God and maybe he didn't lay on a bed. He just kind of levitated as he slept or he didn't sleep at all. Maybe he just stayed up 24 seven. And so I think sometimes we so dissect and distance and pull Jesus apart from our reality when in fact he lived just like you and I. He got tired, he got hungry, I think he liked dad jokes, although they were probably more fit for his day. For example, at what time of day was Adam created? A little before Eve. Or how do you make holy water? You boil the hell out of it. Come on, some of you knew that one. Or or what kind of man was Boaz before he met Ruth? Ruthless. They get better, I promise you. Wait, wait. What do you call it when Batman skips church? Christian Bale. Come on, that's good right there. Or, or, or why did God create man before woman? Because he didn't want any advice on how to do it. I know I just made some of you ladies mad. One more, one more. All right, then I'm done, I promise. My favorite. What animal could Noah not trust? A cheetah. So he was a real guy, right? That's good. I don't care who you are. That was good. He was just a real guy like you and like me, but he was at the same time the son of God. And so he arrives home and when he got there, all these people wanted to be around him. And and so his house was packed and it wasn't like his house was just full. The Bible says there were people like pouring out of the door. It was so full. There was no social distancing going on in this house. It was every close talker's dream opportunity to be up in this house. And I think it's good to point out here that Jesus attracted people. Like he was a people magnet. And I don't think it was his personality. I don't think it was just the fact that he was this outgoing individual that just made people want to be around him. I think there was something about his character And I think there was something about his nature that just made him attractive to people. I would propose that if you and I have the life of Christ living on the inside of us, it would be evident to the world around us that we should be attractive to people as well. And I'm not talking about an outer attractiveness. I'm talking about the love, the mercy, the grace of Jesus the peace, the hope, the calm, and the chaos of the world around us because of who lives on the inside of us. That people would look at us and go, you know what, I don't know if I believe in your Jesus, man, but I sure do like you. And I believe in this season of doubt and fear 
and worry and panic and unrest that the followers of Jesus should be marked by goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, come on, perseverance, peace, self-control. Like Jesus attracted people and he attracted people that loved him and by the way, people that didn't love him. People that liked him and people that didn't like him. People that agreed with him and that didn't agree with him. He was just attractive to all kinds of people. And you should know that if you want to be in a church that looks like you, thinks like you, talks like you, acts like you, then this isn't that church. Like you're welcome here no matter your background. You're welcome here if you're a Democrat or a Republican or a Libertarian. Like you're welcome here. You're welcome here if you like me or if you don't like me. I don't care who you are, what you've done. I just want you to feel welcome and loved and for there to be something magnetic about this place because the love of Jesus is evident. To be magnetic about our church so people were attracted to him. They wanted to be around him and the Bible says that he was preaching, get this, and teaching the word to them. Now that had to be pretty cool. Like if Jesus has a church in your town, like just shut your church down. Stop preaching, right? Find another job. Don't even try, right? Because Jesus, he's teaching and preaching the word of God. Because by the way, it's the word of God that has the power to change people's lives. The word, the Bible says, is spirit and is life. And so when we come around the word of God, it doesn't matter where you're listening from. It could be at home. It could be in the office. It could be in a church building. But if your heart is good soil and the seed of the word of God is planted into that good soil, it will bear good fruit in your life. And I say that to say, whenever like we preach and teach God's word, it's not a lecture, it's not a lesson, it's something that has the power literally to change your life. And so whenever we gather, wherever we gather, I'm not giving you Colby's opinion. My opinion can't help you. It's God's word is the only thing that can help you. So he was preaching and teaching the word of God in the house. And the Bible says the house was packed. And that had to be awesome. Like, I would have loved to be there. Would you have loved to be in that room? I'd had my notebook out, my, my green Elevate pen out. I'd be writing everything down that Jesus said. And Jesus starts speaking the word of God. But there's a problem. There's a man, a lame man, who can't get in. And he can't get in. Why? Because it's so packed. And I think, unfortunately, sometimes this is a picture of the church. That we can get so worried about our place in the house that we forget about the people that are outside the house. That we can get so concerned about, I want my place in the house. I, you know, I want to be where Jesus is. I want to be right up close. And there's a lame man, a sick man, a lost person who's right outside that can't make his way into the house. And he couldn't get into the house. Why? Because the church people, uh, hang on, I might have to preach here a little bit, so buckle up. Why couldn't he get in? Church people. Because they were more concerned about having their preferences met. They wanted to be up close to Jesus, which by the way, isn't a bad thing. But whenever our preferences begin to block the way for other people to come to Jesus, then our preferences become sinful. And we all have preferences because we're all different people. Look, look, we're all different shades of color. I heard somebody once say that Jesus is colorblind. That's just dumb. Jesus wasn't colorblind. Like why would he make people of all different colors if color, if he was colorblind? Like I, I think he likes the beauty of humanity. He likes it to be this canvas of color that, that he looks across. The, remember the song we sang as a kid, right? Red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight. 
Like God loves the beauty of what he has created and we're all different. And because we're all different, we have different preferences. In fact, come on, let's see if we can't start a fight online right now. Comment if you're on Facebook or if you're watching on the church online platform in the chat area there, comment if you're a Chevy person. Come on, Chevy people, go ahead and click something, raise a hand, give a thumb up emoji. All right, now if you're a Ford person, go ahead, comment, just say amen, right? Let's start a fight. How about dog people? Dog people, click like, do whatever. Cat people, I don't even know if that's really a thing. Can someone actually be a cat person? I'm not sure. My point is, we're all different, are we not? Like, some of you can watch cars race around a track and perform 3,000 left turns for three hours. And some of you would rather have your head sewn to the carpet. Like, if you can name that movie, by the way, I'll send you an Elevate t-shirt. That's the most vague movie reference on the planet. My point is, we have different preferences. Different preferences in music. Some of us love a little hip hop. Some of us love country. Some of us are like, I don't know what anybody's saying in any of it. I don't understand any of the words. Some of us want, want to you know, do this little dance right here. And some of us think that's inappropriate what I just did. And some of you will never be able to sleep tonight. Some of you are gonna sleep much better than you have in a long time because of that dance. You're welcome. What I'm saying is that God made us different. But in the middle of our differences, we have a similarity that supersedes any difference we have, and it's Jesus. Come on, Jesus is the great uniter of differences. It's only Jesus that brings people from all around the world, different political persuasions, different socioeconomic classes, different amounts of melanin in our skin, right, to sit side by side together because no matter who you are or what you've done or how far you feel from God or how close you feel to God, the ground at the foot of the cross is level. And by his grace and mercy, he hung there and died a cruel death, rose again three days later to offer you and me, black, white, brown, olive, hip-hop, cowboy, addict, accountant, rich, poor, prostitute, drug lord, adulterer, liar, cheater, come on, offer any and everyone salvation, for God so loved the world, the Bible says, and salvation is the common ground that we all have in Christ. And so I might not be anything like you, Robert321, or NFL Mayan, or, or Maverick, or, or Patty. What's up, Patty? Glad you're tuning in again. Like, I might not be anything like you. I have different preferences than you, but our preferences, listen, our preferences should never stand in the way of the lame man that wants to get in to meet Jesus. Come on, I don't know who's sitting beside you right now, but you gotta punch him and say amen, right? Tell him like we needed to repaint our living room anyway because PC is preaching the paint off the walls right now. Our preferences shouldn't stand in the way of people meeting Jesus. And in this season, hey, we're all laying down some preferences, are we not? Like we wouldn't prefer to be in a shelter in place in our homes, we wouldn't prefer to be in quarantine, but sometimes, if I'm being honest, my preferences get in the way. Anybody else? And sometimes we allow our preferences to, to creep into the church. And we'll say things like, I don't wanna be bothered by bringing someone, or I, don't, I just kinda wanna be my own thing and do my own schedule, or I hope they sing the song that I really liked, or, or they didn't, you know, I didn't like the ones last week, or I don't like the, the recorded worship. I can't get into it. My preference is that the church wouldn't talk about money. Listen, I'm just saying when we begin to view the mission of Jesus through our preferences, 
instead of through his purposes? When we begin to be, be people that are worried more about being in the house instead of getting the people who are outside that are lost in the house and we become consumers of the mission rather than contributors to the mission of Jesus, it's a dangerous proposition. And it's a dangerous place for us to elevate our preferences over the mission of Jesus. I can't say if this is true or not, but I would hope if I'd been there that day that I would be one of the four friends of the lame guy. I hope I would have made the right choice and tried to clear the path and point the way and, and did everything that I could to get him to meet Jesus. But it's a lot easier to be the ones crowding in the house, getting what you want to get and forgetting about the people outside. Like, I don't, listen, I don't ever want Elevate to be a place where we get so caught up in our place in the house that we forget about those outside the house, amen? Well, thankfully, right, this man, he had some resourceful friends and some great friends because the original plan didn't work. So they regrouped, they came back together. They're like, we gotta get some rope. So they went to Lowe's and bought a rope and the Bible says that they climbed up onto the roof and the roofs weren't very high. They were flat back then in this part of the world as well. And I just picture like all of a sudden, Jesus is teaching the word the Bible says. He's going for it. Maybe he's, he's just throwing it down. And, and all of a sudden, a little dirt starts falling onto his head. And then maybe a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, light comes through the roof. And the hole gets bigger and bigger. And then there's all this commotion going on. They start lowering this guy on his mat down to Jesus. And here's what's interesting to me. I, I don't want you to miss this part, Jesus says this, it's because of their faith, not his faith. He says it's because of their faith. He looks at the man and says, because of their faith, son, your sins are forgiven. Because of the four guys' faith, not his own. Like we don't even know if the man had faith to believe that Jesus could heal him. The Bible doesn't say that, we have no idea. We don't even know if the man was even okay with this ill-conceived plan, right? I mean, he was lame, his friends just came and grabbed him up. What's he gonna do, walk away? His four friends came, grabbed him, tied him up and said, let's go. And so we don't know if when they got to the house, he was like, guys, 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 this isn't a good idea. Like, this isn't gonna work, it's, it's too full. We do know they were like, no, we got you. Like, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna drop you through the roof, which by the way, I love these guys. Like, we, we don't know what happened, but evidently in the text, it's irrelevant how the lame man felt in the moment because Jesus said it was because of their faith that your sins are forgiven. Hey, I bet you have people in your life that believe it would be pointless to join you online for Easter. But I would maybe say to you that what they think is irrelevant because it could be your faith that makes all the difference. That your job is to simply do whatever it takes. And if plan A doesn't work, hey, let's regroup and let's go to plan B. And if plan B doesn't get them there, then let's regroup and go to plan C. If plan C doesn't work, you regroup. Why? You just be the kind of friend that these four guys were and say whatever it takes. I wonder if we have any whatever it takes friends watching today. Come on, tell your neighbor right now, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Because I'll tell you right now, if I was the lame man and Jesus was in town, I'd want those four guys to be my friends. Are you that kind of friend? Because here's what I know. We have people all around us and they're crying out, Hosanna. 
They might not even know that they are crying out for Jesus to save them, but they are crying out. They're saying, Hosanna. And here's what it sounds like. It comes in the form of, what are we going to do? Like, what are we going to do about this this virus that's destroying my family, that's destroying my job, that's destroying the world, the relationships that I have? What am I going to do? That's what it sounds like. They're crying out, I hope things get better. Like, somebody save us. Won't somebody help us save now? And are you the kind of friend that says, you know what, if I can't get you through the door, I'm gonna get you through the roof. And if I can't get you through the roof, I'm gonna find another way that I'm not going to give up on you. I'm gonna do whatever it takes. Sure, you've turned me down the last three Easter's and the last four Christmases that I've invited you to church, but I'm not giving up on you because I'll do whatever it takes. Colby, why would we do that? Because there's a man that can change everything who can forgive your sins, set you free, give you a hope and a future, give you his spirit to help you. And he can do it in a moment. His name is Jesus. And are you that kind of friend? Now listen, I'm, I'm done preaching at you, but let me give you three practical things that I see about these guys because I want this to help you. Uh, I want this to help us be the, the kind of people that we should be. The first thing is this, they were calculated. Write that down. They had a plan. Like in other words, they weren't just hoping that he would somehow get to see Jesus. No, they had a plan. They're like, we're gonna carry him through the door. And if that doesn't work, we're gonna drop you through the roof. They were calculated. In other words, let me ask you this. Do you have a plan? Do you have a plan to get someone connected to Easter online next weekend? Like right now we have posted all kinds of e-invites things that you can send to your friends and and post online. Hey, watch with me, join me online for Easter. Like, Like, do you have a plan? And listen, I don't ever want you to feel condemned. Like I always want you to feel encouraged, but today I do want you to feel challenged because do you understand the level of opportunity that we have? with all that's going on in the world, like the miraculous opportunity that we have before us. And I don't use that word miraculous lightly. It's not a word that I use often, but I believe we have the greatest opportunity in front of us to reach the entire city and beyond. Yet there are people that attend our church that maybe you've never invited anyone to church with you. And with all due respect, like I don't understand that. I don't understand how the love of God and the grace and the mercy of God could be poured out into your life and for some of you not to consider bringing a lost and hurting friend with you and having that same love poured out into their life. But you would rave to them about the new restaurant you discovered or you would tell them about the Tiger King series and they just have to watch it. Like, seriously, can I come up into your house for a minute? Like, please don't miss an opportunity like this. Do you have a plan? I also see that they were compassionate. Like it was love that motivated them. It wasn't obligation. It was love and compassion that they had for their friend. And during crisis, come on, there's nothing like a crisis to to draw compassion out of us. But I think it can also be easy in this season for apathy to set in. And for us to kind of turn inwardly because that's what we are are doing right now because we can also think there's so much need and so much desperation around us. Where do I even begin? How do I even make an impact? 
So it could be easy for us to roll out of bed in our PJs and just think about ourselves and, and our situation and settle in, get apathetic. But let me encourage you, don't do it. Like pray and ask God for, for compassion. Ask God that, that whatever breaks his heart would break your heart. And I promise you, it's lost people. I promise you that's what's keeping him up at night. And the last thing is that they were committed. These guys were committed. Like they were committed to their, their friend. Their friend could count on them. Can the people in your life count on you? In fact, let me ask it this way. Who is counting on you? That you're gonna do whatever it takes. You're gonna find a way to get them into the house, get them online, wherever it is, because you love them that much and you're just committed to them. Here's what the Bible says in verse 12. Check it out, I'll close with this passage. It says, he got up, he took his mat and he walked out in, in full view uh, of all of them. And this amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. We have never seen anything like it. Here's what I believe is gonna happen next week. I believe there are going to be people all over this city, people all over this world that will witness something that the church has never seen anything like before. That we have before us the greatest opportunity to, to grab a rope, to break a hole in a roof, to drop a line to a hurting and broken world. Come on, let's, let's do whatever it takes. Church, would you bow your head with me? God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's the word, God, that has the power to change lives. And I pray that we would be convicted and challenged today. God, I pray that, that we would take up this challenge of reaching as many people as we can, of being carriers of a message of hope to a hopeless world, to a, a world that has so many questions a world of desperation, a world that is right now crying out, Hosanna, we don't know that we're saying it, but we're asking God for you to save us and to rescue us. So God, I pray today that you would give us strength and courage in our heart to be carriers of that message of hope and let us be creative in how we reach a hurt, lost, and broken world around us. And as we're praying today, right now, maybe you're here in fact, you can go ahead and, and look, up, look up at me on the screen for a moment. Maybe you're that person who is lost. Maybe you're that person who has been standing outside and, and wondering if you should go in and, and begin a relationship with Jesus. Can I just tell you something? That he came to this world for you. You need to know that. That there's nothing that you've done. There's nothing that, that, that you could ever do that would keep him from loving you and giving his life for you. And the Bible tells us that the moment that we believe that, that Jesus was a sacrifice for our sin and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we would be saved. We'd find that free gift of salvation, that mercy, that grace. And maybe you're watching today and you just feel God drawing you to him. Well, I wanna invite you to, to pray a prayer like this. The Bible says, as we confess Jesus as Lord with our mouth, and we be believe that God raised him from the dead, we would be saved. Let me give you a chance to do that right now, wherever you are. In fact, you can just repeat after me. Say something like this, Jesus, today, I give you my life. I can't thank you enough for dying on the cross for my sins. I confess you as Lord. 
And I believe that God raised you from the dead so that I could have salvation. You have my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. And we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it. So please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There'll be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.